welcome back once again to the Endurance Hour Podcast, episode 328. As we approach the end of January 2020, back alongside Wendy Mater, I'm Dave Erickson. And we're going to kick things off by sharing some feedback from our listeners and athletes. And Wendy is going to begin with one of our 3030 Accountability Club members. Um, yes, welcome everyone. So I got some feedback from Ginger. She started our 3030 Accountability Group with the Strength and Conditioning. She started January 1st. So just a few days ago, um, I had asked her, she's actually from Singapore, so there's a little bit of a time difference um, delay, but it, we can still work together. So that's been kind of nice with the WhatsApp um, thing that we use to communicate. But I had asked her about how the workouts were going, and she said she's really enjoying them. They've been manageable, doable, video demonstrations have been great. Being able to remind myself that it's just 30 minutes is also good incentive on busy days. I also like the minimum equipment is needed. I have access to two gyms. The one I prefer can get very crowded. So if your program relied on pulley machines, squat racks, leg press, etc., it would be very frustrating to complete. The simple approach works best for me. So I really appreciated her feedback. Um, one of the reasons she started our Strength and Conditioning 3030 Accountability um, group was she's training for a 70.3. She's following one of our 70.3 plans that she purchased on training peaks. And she was just struggling with accountability and motivation to get in the strength sessions. So for her to have these, um, workouts that I've been sending her every evening before the next day's workout has been helpful for her. And she's kind of picking and choosing what's working best for her. So she's kind of creating her own library of workouts, movements, so she can continue on with the plan either on her own or we'll continue together next month. Yeah, Leslie was uh, one of the first people who took on the, the, the club back in November as a, a test group. And then she decided to go ahead and enroll for the following month. And she was loving the workouts. And, of course, there was a physical learning curve and getting the body used to it. And she just really – her confidence grew, her – her strength what got better. She was sharing her workouts with her grandmother. Uh, she's an, an older lady. I think she's in her early 50s. And um, yeah, she ended up doing two two segments of the strength and conditioning. And these only require dumbbells or your body weight. And she loved it. And I sent her a, a new text and video every day for actually it was 30, 60 days, even though she because she did the 30, 30 plan, plan twice. If you want to learn more about it, endurancehour.com slash 3030club. There's also a, a just a strictly well, cardio plan too. Yeah, on that note, um, I think it was Leslie, but I know Ginger also commented how, you know, she can she can take the workouts because a lot of them are body weight, minimal equipment movements. Mm -hmm. um, they're great to do when you travel, and I, I yeah. think I remember Leslie was someone who traveled quite a bit. Quite a bit. But even in the hotel room, even in the hotel room, we gave her plenty of ideas of what she could still do with lack of equipment or just with anything she had access to. And the, the modifications were there. For example, simple modification was which push-ups you can, instead of doing the traditional push-ups, you can do them uh, on your knees. And it was real simple. Or if you wanted to push off against a wall, whatever it may be. Uh, we have uh, some feedback from April who purchased our couch to 70.3 plan, talking about the improvements she made and how thankful she was, and this is what she wrote to Wendy. The three-week build-up and recovery week has helped me stay consistent. The video updates help me stay engaged and how the program is uh, progressing, which helps me break down the training into manageable tasks. 
instead of just thinking of the end goal and how the heck am I going to accomplish it, I think that has really helped my confidence. My average miles per hour speed on the bike has increased from 15 to 16 miles per hour, and I think it will continue to increase as my fitness builds. I have lost four pounds, and my swim has gotten faster. Average pace in October of last year was 252 with 39 strokes per 100, and then in early January, she was down to 203 and uh, lowered her strokes by seven strokes per 100, so big leaps and and gains or losses for April uh, since buying that program and following it. And I really like how she highlighted the fact that those videos before every major training block helped her stay engaged with how we were structuring the program. Yeah. And she's really, you know, taken advantage of what we have to offer, you know, with all those educational videos that we include in the program. I did a Skype consultation with her to help her, you know, just answer any questions she had within the program or outside of the program because she is a newbie um, getting ready for her first Cindy Point 3. And then she also sent me a swim video for analysis. So, you know, people can take the program and, and get what they want out of it. And she's getting a lot. She's really taking advantage of, of what we what we offer. And um, I think that's really nice. And speaking of, you know, uh, a swim analysis feedback, I got an email today from Sam, who I didn't we did an analysis for last week. And he said, wow, your input of my swimming has been very helpful to me. I'm glad for your comments on things I can improve on. And he would like to take advantage of our phone or Skype consultation mm. because he has purchased, um, I believe he purchased our Swimming Made Easy program with over 101 swim workouts as well as 10 video demonstrations. So since he purchased one of our programs, I had offered him to set up a time so we could you know, dive more deeply into the program he purchased as well as just talk a little bit more about his swimming progression and anything he wants to talk about. And, and speaking of talking, uh, I, I was just I was talking to my wife the other day and mentioning how we just hit. Uh, we started the podcast in 2012, so it's been eight complete years. I think January 12th was the first official um, podcast episode in 2012. And she goes, "Oh my gosh, eight years of doing that!" And she says, "I'm um, how big is how many people are downloading it, and why are they listening?" And I was just curious from the listeners' point of view as you're listening right now on most likely iTunes. What are you listening for? What keeps you coming back? Uh, a quick note in email would be helpful or jump on our Facebook group and let us know. Uh, I would like to kind of gauge that. I mean, obviously, you're still listening after so many years. Or if you're new to the program, uh, how would you find us? And, and uh, what do you find valuable with this? Because the program has evolved over eight years, obviously. Um, yeah, I think to... it's always good. It's always good to ask for feedback. You know, we've done different podcasts where we've included those Skype consultations that I do within the podcast. So I'm always curious how beneficial are those, you know, phone calls that we share. Um, I'm always curious how valuable those are to our listeners, as well as all the other topics we tend to discuss. Mm hmm. I have another question here. This is um, this is from our we have a, a, a like an ongoing document where we save things. And if you recall this one, Wendy, this is from uh, Michael, who purchased the swimming program through Training Peaks. He's looking at the schedule. I hope this is, I'm kind of springing this on you. I have a swim golf as my second workout, and I don't fully understand it. I read the article, and I could use more direction as to what I should be focusing on beyond the first 350s. Is a goal to consistently lower the score? It's, it's not golf score, is it? Golf score? Golf? Golf? Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, it's swal- it's your it's swal- kind of your swal- swal- score, okay. but but it's just like it's just like golf. So what what it is is you know you just at a easy to moderate moderate pace, keep it moderate. You swim a fifty, you count your strokes. How many strokes per fifty? So you take fifty strokes and then you get your time. Let's say you take fifty strokes and it takes you fifty seconds. You add those together, your score is a hundred. So just like in the name of golf, the goal is to lower your your count hmm. either by swimming faster or taking less strokes or a combination of both. So if you do 50 again and you take 48 strokes, but it takes you 52 seconds, mm. your golf scores the same or swall scores the same. It's still 100 so that didn't work. So now try to go back to taking 50 strokes, but try to go faster. And I like to encourage people, if you if you want to maintain that stroke count, but go faster, it all has to do with how effective your underwater catch and pushes that make up the underwater pull. That's going to help you take less strokes with at first probably more effort, but over time take less strokes with minimal effort if you have a strong pull. So you're trying to find that efficiency um, for you as far as how many strokes, what's your time, that you can kind of maintain that stroke count and that same pace for an extended period of time. That's how I interpret that. And that's why I put it in our program. So people really just to make people more aware of what's going on with their stroke count, what's going on with their time and how they're related. More strokes could mean slower time. More strokes could be faster time. But, but when you add them up, is it faster and you're more exhausted because you're taking more strokes or is it faster and you're less exhausted? Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of a, a different way to approach, um, stroke efficiency and analysis. Swolf S W O L F. Yep. Is it swim? Is that yes, stand for something? Yeah, and most swimming, swimming golf. <laughs> okay, I got it. So it's 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 your your most people's Garmin or GPS device tracks their swell score for them. I don't. Again, I I, I never want to be tied to technology, and I think it's just really important that an athlete counts their strokes, gets their time you know, and not just relies on the Garmin because Garmin's make mistakes in the pool as well. So, you know, lately I've been, you know, I coach a lot of athletes, but lately multiple athletes have told me, um, you know, they only swam 2,500, but the Garmin counted 4,000 or the Garmin counted 1,500 and they really swam 2,500. So there, there are some defaults with these GPS devices. So I, I just think it's important to get in tune and with what you're doing, and I, I stress this probably on every podcast, um, you know, don't always rely on the on the data and the technology and the metrics. I think it's something that's valuable, but you also need to, you know, think about what you're doing and be present and understand what you're doing, despite any data that you're collecting. Yes, I want to go inside the uh, T2 Endurance Club on Facebook, but first another one here. Something about a, a bike clinic and how to train inside for outside that you had made some notes here that you did a, a something with Lifetime last year or the year before. Can you expand on that one? Yeah. This was posted by one of the um, athletes I coached from the Play Try 
Colorado Westminster group. And they were talking about bringing me out there for a clinic. Girls wanted me to do a bike session. We, we meet at Lifetime in Westminster as a group and we do indoor riding. And last year I talked a lot about skills and drills. Um, you know, the, the thing about the Lifetime bikes, the stages bikes is they had power speed. So I was trying to help them learn about power cadence, RPE, heart rate, and kind of how it's all related, um, you know, what it all means to them. So one of the athletes asked me, you know, to come out and do that type of clinic again. Uh-huh. And in the meantime, she wanted to know how to train for outdoor riding. I mean, that's it's a loaded. It's a definitely a loaded question. But I mean, I think the simplest answer is, and my and my interpretation of the question is, if you're training indoors for um, an outdoor ride, it's important to vary the cadence that you're riding indoors. Because outdoors, the terrain is going to vary the cadence for you. So you're going to have hills where you're going to be in a bigger gear um, or you're going to be in a lower cadence. You're going to have downhills or flats that you're going to be in a higher cadence. So it's important if you're doing this on your own and you're indoors to to mix it up, you know, go to spin classes, go to instructor taught spin classes because they'll teach you a lot about cadences and, and intensities, you know, like VO2 and threshold and tempo and endurance and what kind of all that means. So hopefully your spin instructor does some educational component while they're teaching the class. But I think that's the, that's how I interpreted the question. Mm-hmm. If you're getting ready for St. George, that's a, an Ironman that takes place on May 2nd. And you know, you live in a, uh, a, a snowy climate area, like, you know, the West side of the country is getting snow and you're not going to be able to get out and do some Hills. Then I would definitely want to incorporate some big gear, lower cadence drills at a, at a modest, higher intensity, um, workout into your training plan. So you can get your legs stronger for those climbs that you're going to be tackling in St. George. And then I'd want to get the athlete doing some high stuff lower, lower, lower intensity. So like they're spinning downhill. So I like to do big gear followed by little gear. So you get, you know, you simulate a climb and then you simulate, simulate a descent just to get the legs used to, um, a rolling or a hilly course. You sure had, uh, that date pretty handy for St. George. Is there something you want to share? No, I'm not doing it. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I'm not doing it. I wanted to do it. Um, I coached some athletes doing it. I really wanted to do it. I really wanted to do it when it came when they made the announcement mm-hmm. because I've, I've ridden the St. George course back in 2011. I went there for a training camp and I got to ride the course. I'm assuming it's the same course and it's a challenge and it's tough, yeah. but the whole expense of it all, I'm like, eh, I'm over, I'm over it. Like when it first came out, I was gung ho. But now I'm kind of like, eh, I don't really want to pay the money right now for an Ironman. And I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure. Again, I really want to right now. I am sure right now I'm 100% sure I don't want to be training for an Ironman. I usually don't like training for Ironman in the winter and spring. And I know that. And I was confirmed by that because we're getting some really cold weather. And Joel, I don't want to train for an Ironman indoors anymore. I've done that multiple times. And so. I'm not doing St. George on May 2nd. Okay. Just to confirm officially here, <laughs> you've made it public. You're not. I'm not. 
I, I've made it public. Uh, a few people want to just uh, join the, the T2 Endurance Club on Facebook, which is a closed group. We've got just over 550 members. Let's do those, and then we'll do some comments inside the group. So first of all, Nick wants to join the group. And so Nick is from Oklahoma, and uh, he heard about the podcast, uh, heard about the show, the group actually, from a podcast, episode 255. So either he's been listening since 255 or he found us on 255 and decided to find the group, which is great. What kind of events is he training for? He's training for Ironman Tulsa, which is a new race this coming year. Since he started training, he is more excited about triathlon than ever before. So maybe uh, he's a newbie uh, and he does not have a Training Peaks account, which is fine. I'm sure he'll stumble upon it and uh, realize how valuable it is. There is a free version of the Training Peaks account. Uh, so you can take advantage of that. So welcome, Nick to the group and good luck with your Ironman Tulsa training. So once he gets in the group, we can uh, chat with him there. It's it's a closed group. So anything you post there is only for the members to see. Are you back in the group or back in the Facebook? I, I am, but I'm really curious about um, the Endurance Hour episode 255. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Um, that's our nutritional. That's when I talked to um, Cindy Dallow um, yeah. about nutrition that's an episode I actually share a lot with athletes I currently coach. Um, since Cindy and I did that episode 255, all about nutrition, you know, just daily nutrition. We talk about, I don't know if on this specific episode, we talk about intuitive eating, but she does lay out a really good simplicity version of, of what you should be eating during a 70.3 in Ironman. Like she lays out the macronutrient content and how many carbohydrate you should be eating per hour on the bike and why. And she talks a lot about, um, just the stuff that I'm not, I know a lot about nutrition, but that's not my expertise. And so it was really nice to talk to her on that episode. So I encourage anyone who has questions about nutrition and training nutrition and race day nutrition to take a listen to that one. That was a good one. Going back inside the T2 Endurance Club, we had some discussions from last week that we started, and the feedback was pretty great. Uh, one of the topics was, without looking in the dictionary, how do you define an athlete? And this came up because I was in a dart tournament the previous week, and somehow I may have said the dart players are not athletes per se, even though it's a, I think it's definitely a sport but are the athletes who play the sport? And I think you don't have, I don't know if you're an, I kind of think maybe by definition you are because of the hand-eye coordination, the concentration. There is a bit of endurance, physical endurance, because if you play for hours on end, your body becomes sore and you have to maintain it. But based on the people who took part, took part in the, the tournament, they showed no athletic ability meaning that their physical selves weren't someone you would say, oh, that's an athlete. Clearly, they're not an athlete. So that's how this topic came about. So here's how some of our members, Wendy, defined an athlete. Go ahead and begin. I love this one because it's simple and it's to the point. This is from Kirsten. How does she define an athlete? She said, someone who does a sport. And then it goes back to, well, let's define what a sport means. <laughs> but keep it simple. Someone who does a sport is an athlete. Yeah. That, then, then you really can go deep, can't you? Because, uh, well, archery a sport? Yes, it is. Is chess a sport? 
right? Obviously, bowling's a sport. It takes a lot of physical strength and coordination, hand-eye. There's some <laughs> things that like is that. chess a sport? I forget. I would say chess uh, is a game, but is it a sport? Is is a sport a game? It, you know, it's this. It's these little subjective. It, it's all relative, but you can, you know, again, I just look it up in the dictionary. Well, what does the dictionary say? You know, mm-hmm. what definition? Yeah. April says someone who consistently strives for improvement in a specific sport. And then I like what Sherry says here. Read what Sherry says. This is a good uh, deep one. Someone who regular, regularly and in a committed way exercises, eats, drinks, and recovers with necessary things such as adequate sleep with purposeful goals to attain success in a given sport. There's a word sport again. I like how she led this all up. But in a given sport, I wonder if you could say activity, and that might suffice for those who do things that don't necessarily take strenuous physical activity. April followed up with that and she says, I love this. It's like an evolution on the definition is occurring with each post, which it is definitely for sure. Um, Stacy's response was active, intentional, and consistent. I definitely think those are attributes to an athlete to be successful in their, in their sport. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of things too. Let's read one more from Christy. Cause I agree with this. I think everyone can be an athlete, but it's up to each person to decide if they want to be defined by one. Here's one. How do you define training? Vicky says a lined out plan to accomplish your end goal. That's how she defines one definition of training. Nick said consistent time spent or learning the body or mind to perform a specific function. I don't think there's a wrong answer here. Um, Rico, physical, mental activities, sport specific, strength, rehab exercises, mental training, etc., with specific purposes to achieve your goal. I like that one because it, it encompasses a lot more than just the physical mm-hmm. aspect of how most people train. Yeah. John said a plan that has several steps that help you achieve a goal. True. And this is training that doesn't necessarily mean uh, physical training. There's a mental training in here or education in a way. I mean, just think about studying for something. Uh, Stacy says repetition, experimentation, planning, preparing. All these things can be a person who's studying for a test or educating themselves on a certain topic. Steven says to me, when you are training, you are following some type of plan. Interesting. Interesting because I'm someone who sometimes I exercise, sometimes I'm training Mm -hmm. and I would define the difference exercising and doing workouts Compared to when I'm training is I'm, I define myself as training when I'm preparing for a specific event or race. Not that I'm not that not, it doesn't mean I'm following a plan. It just means I'm training to prepare for a specific event or race Mm -hmm. physically, mentally, you know, physically, mentally eating right, eating the certain things, recovering, being mentally, you know, focused on getting that recovery and making sure I'm fueling my body properly as is one of those things I do to prepare for an event or goal or challenge. You could always be training, but to train with purpose is a different animal because right now I'm, I'm just 
build, maintaining and, you know, here and there I'm, I'm pushing myself, but I want to maintain a, a certain base of training in preparation for the time when, when the time comes to be purposeful for a plan or for a, a race, a countdown. So I'm not just exercising to, ex- I mean, exercising, yes, but there is a training element to it. Like, okay, I need to make, I want to put it in the reps. I want to get the mileage in. I want to make sure the body is used to what's going to happen later. So let me just train the body and then I'll train with purpose when the time comes. Yeah. So like, I think when I'm, when I would say I'm exercising, it's usually during that, that what is defined as like the off season or out of season is when I would be like, yeah, I'm just exercises. I'm getting the workout in, I'm getting the workout in, but I'm not, I'm not doing it for any rhyme or reason other than it feels good. The treadmill was available. The stepmill was available. The bike was available. Nothing was available. So I got in the pool or I did some weights. I just, you know, wake up and say, okay, what does my body feel like doing today? Because I love the movement aspect of exercise and training, but some times of the year, it, I just want to move. It doesn't matter how I move. I'm just, my mind and body just want to move in some way, shape or form. Yeah. That's exercise. That's, that's when me is when I'm exercising and not training. Yeah. Yeah. I've started adding some jump rope to whether it's a war, most likely a warm up, but even 10 minutes of uh, jump rope is, is quite, is, is a challenge to do to maintain because you're, you're hopping the whole time and you don't want to get hit by the rope. And then I'm trying to vary this up. So I've been doing that last three or four times and I really like it. And I'm, I'm noticing I'm, I'm almost um, pre fatiguing my calves because I did that yesterday and then I did a, a 20 minute hard uh, Peloton bike ride. And afterwards I had a little, you know, a little activity underneath the skin of my calf going, Oh, there's some uh, flickering. Like I'm on close to cramping, better go eat something and drink something. Anyways, a little activity here and there. Hey, speaking of off season, uh, we have a Q and a, I did with a, a local coach here in the Spokane area coaching business name is speed theory multi-sport and we sat down and did some q a on various topics and one of them was how to utilize the off season to make the most of it and i want to play that for you now and and kind of get you i mean i know that off season is coming to an end as people are preparing or ramping up for the 2020 season based of course on geography so i'm going to play this for you with my buddy greg gallagher and we'll come back and continue on with the podcast so here it is with my friend greg gallagher from speed theory multi-sport triathlon off-season do's and don'ts depends on what time of year you have your off-season uh for a lot of us it's the the winter the fall before we uh, gear up for the spring so what things come to mind for you of how to utilize and make the most of your triathlon off season with my athletes. I, you know, a lot of my athletes are half Ironman, Ironman distance. And once it gets into the off season, the structure ends. Um, it's, it's still do training, but we're not worried about power. We're not worried about heart rate. We're just, just go enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, as Ironman athletes, we are so dedicated to that piece of paper that's saying you need to do this. And 
you don't have time to go ride with your buddy because maybe he's not training for the same thing. Yeah. So I think the off season is the time to catch up, catch up with your family, go ride with your buddies, go on a coffee ride, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, just no structure. It's, it's, it, and it goes for riding and running. Just if you want to run, go out and run, have fun. Don't worry about your pace. Don't worry about your heart rate. Just make it easy and enjoy yourself. And, and there's no reason to go over, you know, hour, hour, 15 minutes. And depending on pace wise, that could be, that could be five miles for somebody. It could be, you know, eight miles. And I don't think there's any reason to be going over eight to 10 miles in an off season. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just, just keep moving, have fun with it. Um, how dare you leave your watch at home? Would you ever exactly. leave your watch at home? Oh my gosh, I gotta, I gotta record this. Right. I gotta, and, I gotta and, upload it or save it. And that is true. And I do tell people just don't worry about your watch or, or don't run with a watch. And there are people who are so like, I gotta have my watch. I don't mm-hmm. run without it that they do. But sometimes I'll tell them just to put it in their back pocket. You know, mm-hmm. like if you got your kid on, you just throw it in your back pocket. Don't look at it, but just, if you need to record it, record it. But I don't. I don't want them focusing on it and, and saying, oh, I'm, I'm riding too slow or mm-hmm. uh, my power's really low. It, this is, that's the time it, it, you should be just chill. I'm sure you're probably suggesting to them do things that might not be triathlon related. A lot of cross training things. Yeah. I think maybe they're going to go, you know, you can go snowshoeing and get a great workout. You mm-hmm. can do cross country skiing, skate skiing. Just that's the time to let your body rebuild itself and both mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. Um, once we start kind of getting a little bit more into, okay, let's get in the pool. Okay, it's work on drills. Let's work on technique. Don't worry about speed. Don't worry about watching the pace clock. Just go out and and, and, and focus on good form mm-hmm. and, and trying to be more efficient in the water. And again, if you're, if you're efficient in it, you're going to be faster in it. So, um, the off season is a great time for working on drills with both all, all, all sports and, and being in the weight room, uh, uh, strength and conditioning, strength and conditioning is, is really, really big. And, you know, it, it's going to prepare your body for that high intensity things later on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to build them you know, tighten up some ligaments and, you know, it's going to make everything stronger, um, so that your body can handle the hard stuff later. Um, injury prevention is pretty much what it is. Mm -hmm. Being in the weight room is, is a must. And, you know, two days a week, I think is, is pretty fair to get in there. Minimum, Uh, I would think off season, uh, off season two is, is I would say, yeah, minimum. And you working on core stuff. Yeah, you know, having a strong core, you're going to be stronger on the bike and stronger on the run, and definitely stronger in a swim. So the off season is made to enjoy it, but still get some benefit out of it. Mm. I'm not saying sit on the couch and don't do anything, but yeah, get be out active. of the mountain bike. Yeah, mountain yeah. bike, trail running, yeah. just anything that's not so specific to being a Ironman athlete or a triathlete. Yeah. There's a, that mental break. I think some of us need, uh, oh, depends yeah. on how long we've been in it of like, I needed just to step away and do this for the love and not because, um, I've got so many workouts I have to complete and I have to get this run in. I have to get this swim in that word have to right? that you, the pressure you put on yourself. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, what if I don't do this? I'm going to, I'm going to be behind. 
It's your season. Yeah, yeah, and it's and the off season is made to not have structure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you, you have structure all year round. I mean, goodness, you get burnt out. Do you even uh, kind of apply this a little bit between races or between plans? So if if say somebody had two like A style races, you know the the ones that you're going to taper for. You know, you have your A races, B races, and C races. C races, you don't do any taper for. But B races, you'll taper, but you're still, it's kind of a hard training day. Yeah. And then your A races are obviously the things that you've tapered for, you're totally focused on. And after that, yeah, there is a transition period of, of just letting yourself recover before you start getting back into that heavy training again. Yeah. You, you have to give your body a break. Yeah. I find that too. Is like I just need to not look at my bike for a little while. I need to yeah. not pull my swim bag out right. and yeah. feel like I've got to do something, or it's it's looking at me, or maybe I just put it in the closet and close the door. Right. Because um, once you're in it, it's like ah, I got to maintain, or else I'm I'm behind, right? Or I won't be where I want to be, and then now I have to lower my expectations. That I I've been there. I've, yeah. I've done that, and and you do get burnt out. Totally. Yeah. And and. Uh, when you've had those burnouts, what brings you back for you? What, what have you noticed that, oh yeah, their spark just came back. I, Is it, you know, I, 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 when I, when I see races and I, maybe I go to a race for friends and, or an athlete, it does kind of spark you to get back into it. Um, but, and it's just one of those things you just kind of go through the process mm-hmm. and you know, okay, spring's coming. Let's start getting some stuff, you know, start riding a little bit more. And then you start getting focused as, you know, after you've had that, that time off. Well, I know with maturity and experience, like, like both of us have in the sport, you know, it's a gradual build and that you're not going to get it all back in one week or two weeks. No. You go to a race, you, you cheer on your friends and family coming across the finish line. You go, I'm back. I'm ready. Um, yeah. Like, then you like, then three weeks later, he's like, I'm kind of tired. Yeah. You have to have the patience yep, to, for sure. I'm in a build phase now and yep. I'm in a really focused stage. And then, and that's something that I have kind of learned and matured with because maybe I took a little time off and I go to the pool and I, and I see the guy that was there swimming before and he's still swimming fast and, and I'm, I'm not being able to keep up with him anymore. And I, I would just push myself, but I've kind of, you know what, I'm going to build into it. And you know, maybe it's two, three, four weeks down the road, mm-hmm. then I'm swimming with him again. Yeah. But you, 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 I think people fall into that, uh, that temptation to judge yourself on someone else's fitness and you have no idea where they are right. in their process. Right. Maybe they're peaking and you're in the build stage yep. or vice versa. Right. It's like, I'm not, I can't judge anybody where they are because they don't know who I am. I don't know, really know who they are. Yeah. The fact that they're here is great, but it's like judging someone on their, a certain chapter in life and your chapter in life. I wish I was here, but I can't compare myself to someone else because it's my own journey. I've been on this road for so many miles. You've been on that road for so many miles. Right. Very true. It's hard. It's hard. It is. And it you takes know, time to. That, that ego. Yeah. I mean, Especially in this sport. Yeah. I mean, I see it with the females and males. It's equal. You know, a lot of times the male ego. But I've I've coached a couple females that. The girls get competitive with other that, girls. Yeah. Yeah. Or they get competitive with some other athlete that they have seen at some races before. Mm. Like, you know. You're on an easy run day. Don't worry about what people are thinking. And you never know if someone's injured. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. someone's like, you think you're beating them. You think you're all that. Yeah. And you realize, oh, that person, you know, they were they injured the whole time or they're in a recovery. They're in a, you know, they've had surgery. Right. You have no idea what, oh, I'm beating that. I'm faster than that guy now. My, my old, older competitor, I had, had no idea what they were doing. Oh, they're, they had shoulder surgery. Oh, no wonder they're not swimming very fast. No. Yeah. Or they had an ankle injury. Oh, I have calf problems. I, I have no idea. Right. So it's, it's unfair. Yeah. True. Triathlon off season do's and don'ts, uh, be unstructured, structured, uh, mobility is, is a, a big thing. I think maybe as we get older, oh, we yeah, take definitely. for granted our ability to touch our toes yeah. <laughs> or, oh, yeah. or our hip flexibility, the whole mobility and not just core, but stretching and, uh, yoga, Pilates, keeping flexible. Yeah. Have yeah. You, are people doing that that you work with or I know it's in your circle. Yes. Yeah. In my, you know, I work with a, a PT who does the, uh, mobility screening and, uh, it's something that I let my athletes know that they want to get involved in. They can mm-hmm. go see him and, and they'll kind of find out where some, maybe some of their weaknesses are. And then that's that off-season time, too. Let's work on some of those things yeah. and come back stronger. Yeah. But mobility and what's flexibility. An, what's an example where someone would recognize an uh, inability or inflexibility or deficiency? Well, let's deficiency. just say swimmer-wise was having trouble with their shoulder. It was okay. just something that kind of kept coming up. Well, they go see a PT. The PT evaluates and finds where the weakness is. Mm-hmm. And then they give them a structured training to get that stronger. And they come back, you know. Six weeks later, they're seeing a benefit and keep doing the exercises. And then maybe when they're in the pool, they're swimming faster because they, they dealt with that weakness that they had. Yeah. I noticed that with, when I was doing some other things where I had some flexibility, inability to flexible, inflexible, inflexibility with my hips on uh-huh. one side where I could lift my leg up, left leg up better than my right leg, or I could, my hamstrings on one side was tighter. Right. It would explain why I can't twist a certain way or why I can't extend a certain way because one part of my body was not as strong, but I didn't know that until I went through some tests some or some, and you found those yeah. weaknesses and, and, and then you, you work on balancing them out. So you don't know that let's say on, you're on the bike in triath in season. Yeah. It's like, why am I having, why aren't I stronger? Well, maybe your lower back is not strong enough. Yeah. You're getting off the bike and you're having issues. Yeah. You can't run. Yeah. You can't swim because you're compensating in one area or the other one. I have a few more Q&A topics with Greg that we can share in the coming weeks. Uh, But again, thanks, Greg, for uh, your thoughts on that. Wendy, when do you define the difference between off-season and in-season training for a a triathlete? Is it it time of year specific? Is it something else? It it could be both. I think when we're defining, it's, it's, it's important to be clear what we mean by it. Is it... Off season. I mean, to me, off season is, is off, you know, you take a week up to four weeks off, but, but, but most people don't really take time completely off. They like to do the other exercise. (laughs) I called it exercise. They like to do other non sport related activities to keep up some fitness, to keep their mind healthy. I think a lot of us need that, um, endorphins coming from someplace. So it's important to keep moving, even if it's just going for a walk in your off season. To me, the off season means you're not doing any sport, any of your primary sport specific activity. And then there's that out of season. I think after that off season, you go into the out of season where you start doing a little bit of preparation, you ability stuff. 
you may get back in the water and do some skills and drills or and drills on the bike and on the run. It's very low volume. It's very low intensity, but it's preparing your body to train again. And then you move into the, what I would define as maybe preseason. It's just an extension of the out of season. Um, but a little bit more, a little bit more intensive with your primary sport, my primary sports triathlon. So it would be a little bit more intensive of swimming, biking and running, but I start to to start to build the volume a little bit, build the intensity a little bit. When it comes to time of the year, typically for, you know, North America people, you're going to be doing your off season traditionally in like a time of year, like maybe October or November, unless you're doing, you know, Ironman, an Ironman or a late season race, like Ironman Arizona, or Ironman Cosmel or 70.3. There's probably even sprints or Olympics um, wherever you live sometime in October, November. But traditionally, that's when people take time off. They take time off during the holiday months because they just have other priorities going on during those months of November and December. And then that that preseason that or sorry, sorry, then that that out of season phase, preseason phase, however you want to define it, starts could also start in November and December, extend into January. January would also be January, anywhere time between January and March is probably when most people start their, um, they go into their season with some preseason stuff. If they haven't been doing anything in November and December, well, January is definitely the time where they want to start to get in a training groove. They want to start to get in a routine. Maybe they want to start to, you know, do their sport specific stuff, two bikes, two swims, two runs, skills and drills, and just get on a, just get that frequency and that consistency. And then, um, you know, I would define, I think your question was in season. I think in season is more in the springtime, summertime is when most people I would say are in their season, competitive season, they're getting their volumes higher, their intensities higher, they're getting fine tuned for the events that they're doing in the spring or the summertime. So there's definitely some gray areas in there. And, and, and so to answer your question, is it, is it a, a time of month? There's a time of year. Yes. And no, I mean, it just depends on the athlete. It's important for those athletes. And I know a lot of them who do those late season, big races, like an Ironman, Arizona or Cozumel in November, they need to take their time off. They don't need to jump into training in December just because their other friends who had time off in October are ready to start in December. They still need to plan their season where they do take their time off. They do take their out of season and they start their in season at a later time than someone who took their out of season in October. I hope that's clear. I mean, there's all depends on where, where you, what your goals are for that year. So that's good. Are there other topics here that I want to make sure that we hit navigating training peaks and the terminology and what drills actually mean was that one of the topics that you wanted to hit i actually people navigating training peaks is actually i think really simple because training peaks has a help desk and i get this question from athletes i coach i get this question from athletes who purchase our training plans on training peaks again that's why i offer those skype consultations for anyone who has purchased a plan on training peaks but it's important to know that you know the help center on training peaks it has just a vast amount of information. So 
if you just Googled navigate training peaks, you're going to come up with a very good article about what you're looking for. And if, if your uh, training plan that you've purchased or that you have a coach that has, you know, skills and drills, usually those skills and drills are for your technique limiters. So if you're following a program, especially one of our programs, and you don't understand specifically like the swimming drills, then the best way for me to help you is for you to send me a swim video for analysis because then I can send you specific skills and drills that you need to help you with your technique limiter instead of giving you, you know, the random drills that may, may or may not help you at all. Usually if you do swimming drills, whether you're experienced or inexperienced, it's going to help you slow down. It's going to help you be mindful of what you're doing. It's going to help prove, but there are specific drills that are going to be more better for you with less experience than for me with more experience. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that answers that question. This is one uh, lessons learned as a coach and why your coaching style has developed how it is. You've been doing this for a quarter century as an athlete or more so. Um, but I'm sure it's evolved based on your experience as an athlete. Also with the feedback you're getting from coaches and your ongoing education, people don't know Wendy is Ironman triathlon certified coach among other things. Ironman university. Is that what, uh, the, uh, yeah. okay. So how is your style developed as, as it is? Why is your coaching style the way it is? And what is your coaching style? Would you do, how would you say it is? Um, I'm an, I'm definitely an athlete centric coach. I work with each athlete. We work together to help, um, define the details of their plan. Meaning, you know, communication is a big part about my coaching I mean, coaching to me is all about communicating, educating accountability. And so as I'm getting to know the athlete, I want to know what their experience is, um, how much time they have available to train and what their goals are. And then I work with them. We work together to help develop the plan. I'm not going to tell an athlete that they need to swim Monday, Wednesday, Friday if if they don't even have access to a pool on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So just common stuff like that. I'm not going to have an athlete start running 20 miles a week if they're when when we talk, if their first week of running was has only been five miles. I'm not going to jump them from five miles to 20 miles a week. So again, it goes back to that learning about their when I first started coaching um, when I first got a training peaks account, I mean, it was many, many, many years ago, but I kind of followed, um, what training peaks kind of how they're, they periodize programs, periodization. If you don't know what it is, it's just, um, a way to set up a plan, um, progression phases of training. Um, it's a model, it's a model to use. I think, I think it's a good model to use, but there are always exceptions to the model. So I don't always follow that type of model, um, progression with every athlete I coach, but that's kind of where I started. Joe Friel triath or the, um, cycling training Bible's first book, real triathlon book. Well, it was a cycling book, but it was the first like training book I ever read in 1997. So that was kind of like where I started. But obviously, like you already said, as, as my continuing education evolves, um, specifically when I got, uh, Ironman university certified, I think it's been three or four years um, I got to know a lot about Matt Dixon. So I started following Matt Dixon a lot, learning a lot from him, how he sets up the annual training plan, how 
you know, as a, as a triathlete, we, I mean, it's a lifestyle and you, you should not ever like stop training unless you're taking a couple of weeks off, but it's definitely your, your triathlon lifestyle, your training lifestyle style should be continuum, you know, 365 days a year. And so I, I, I start to follow a little bit more depending on the athlete with Matt, with how kind of Matt Dixon, um, his phases, his style of coaching, um, because he was, he was one of those coaches who helps with the Ironman university certification. And then, um, probably recently within the last two or three years, I've learned a little bit more about, um, polarized training, um, Matt Fitzgerald's and, uh, Steven Seiler's training 80, 20. Um, so sometimes I apply that model to different athletes that I coach. So again, there's just a, there's a lot of theories. There's a lot of philosophies. There's a lot of models. And as a coach, I think it's really important that I'm up to date on the latest and greatest, as well as nutrition plans. I'm up to date on the latest and greatest because that's really a a huge component of the athlete's training. It sounds somewhat similar to the 3030 accountability club where it's a one-on-one based follow-up support, although with the training plans, they're evolving and they're more so in, in small increments as I know there was some people who are looking for an accountability coaching element to the training plans that we have where they want, Hey, will you give me some advice or how this work? You know, they want someone to, I don't know, um, validate what they did that day or to make check up on them. And that's a big part of, you know, maybe your training, training motivation is like, sometimes people do it for somebody else. You know, they want to impress their coach. They want to impress their, their spouse or their friends and accountability is a great motivator and to ha- hire a coach one-on-one can be that element because there's, there's hundreds and thousands, I'm sure of plans out there that are cookie cutter that are, you know, basic for beginners. But when it comes to uh, knowing you as an athlete, it takes time. And and that's why I think staying with the same coach for a period of time, whether it be two to four to five years, that can you can find some of your greatest successes because they see how you evolve. They recognize your strengths and weaknesses and cater and shape a plan to make you the best that you can be. If you go for a coach one year and then, or, you know, six months and then switch to somebody else, it's like starting over. And I'm not sure if you're going to see the gains. It's a, it's a big patience game. That's really what it comes down to, I think is being patient and letting the process play out, you know, failing, succeeding, learning where you can fail and then or learning where you can succeed. <laughs> but the great thing about this sport is that no same, no training month is the same and no race is the same even if you repeat it the next year because you have changed the weather has changed there's injuries there's competition i don't know yeah i think i think people so many people forget it, it, there's more to coaching than just developing the training plan for you there's more to training to make you a successful athlete there's there's life i mean there's so many yeah. life stressors and components of life that's going to impact your day-to-day training if you're new you don't know that yet you know as a coach i've been coaching for so long i know what new athletes i know what they don't know and what they don't know what to ask so i hope to provide that education for them but like 
if you're used to drinking, like I'm going to use hydration, if you're used to a certain amount each day and then over a 48 hour period, you get busy, you have work deadlines, you have family crises, issues, and you forget to hydrate, that's going to, that's going to really negatively impact your next workout. And you where and, and, and realize that there's probably nothing wrong with a plan for you to have such a negative workout. It probably has to do with something you did or did not eat or did or did not drink. And you only know that with experience. So, um, definitely going on what you said about when you hire a coach, you know, give, give them some time, ask a lot of questions, make sure you're hiring the right coach for why you want to be coached, because there's a lot of coaches who coach differently. You know, I coach the person. I like, I like the feelings. I like the the subjective data. There's other coaches out there who only coach by the metrics. They only coach by what's called TSS. That's a training peaks metrics, um, training trust score. They develop the workouts based on the training stress score, not just based on what the athletes are telling them. So there's there's just a ton of coaches out there and get to know the coach as you're making a choice to decide if you want to be coached or not. And one other thing um, to answer her, her Stephanie's question was, you know, the main thing about like the difference between the coaching and the training plans we offered, the training plans that we offer are really modeled um, on the, the periodization of a three week build, one week rest, three week build, three week build as training intensity and training volume followed by a recovery week. Cause that model has been proven to work for so many people over so many years. But I just want to point out that that's not the only model out there. I think that's the most recognized model that people like to follow is that periodization, you know, building, you know, roughly about temper week, including recovery weeks. But then there's people out there who need to recover every third week. There's people out there who need a recovery week every fifth week, not just every fourth week. So just be open to um, modifying your plan if it's not working for you, talking to your coach if you have one, if something's not working for you and, and help, you know, help the coach help you. This question I think was in the T2 Endurance Club. Uh, someone was asking you about, here it is. Yeah. Nate says, I'm about to sign up with a personal coach. I guess it's not with you. <laughs> he was wanting to, I think. He, ke- he keeps on hearing about this 33% discount that we mentioned on the podcast. Does this apply to personal coaching as well? Has Mike, or this is not Mike. If it does, I'll need this discount. Mike says that. So did Nate end up following up with you as a coach? What was the, uh, what was that all about? And then he just wanted to verify something. Yeah. I mean, that was an, that was an interesting question, but so he keeps hearing about the 33, 33% discount. Uh, Dave and I offer 33% off all our trans on training peaks. So that's the discount that Nate is referring to. Um, you, if you, if you read the description of the training plans on training peaks, we tell you in the description what to do to get that 33% off code to apply at checkout so you can get 33% off any of our training plans on training peaks. It's our training plans. As far as 33% discount on my one-on-one coaching, personalized coaching, no, that does not apply to that. I think that's what, but other coaches, I don't know what other coaches do out there. And I don't know if he was going to follow up with me about coaching or if he wasn't sure what he's going to do. You know, I thought about that with the, uh, and no disrespect to Nate, and I, know, I don't think he's disrespecting you, but your time is your time. A, a plan can be discounted, but 
It's not like you're going to be working 33% less to give him the information he needs. So your, your information and, and time is just as valuable and should not be discounted. If, if you're going to deliver, and you do, deliver on your coaching, then price really shouldn't be an issue. Not that you're, you know, we're not, we're not trying to sell you, but I'm just saying in general, if the value is delivered, price should never be an issue. We have a couple dozen programs and we've put a lot of time and effort into creating a well-balanced uh, multimedia version of these because we've, we put together videos before every major training block. We've added value with uh, additional links to complementary supplement videos to the plans and then we give you a discount so we're giving you more than if you went plan for plan and you went full price for full price maybe there's a debate that if they're equal who do you go with well how about take 30 percent off or 33 percent off and then you're still getting all this great value i think it's a no-brainer and it's still humorous to me that some people will will pay full price for the plans when the information is already on there that's just my my little thing and, and there's also free Skype consults where I know other coaches charge. There's the Skype, these um, the swim analysis that we offer for free. Anyways, if you're a first time listener and you're and you're you're at this point in the podcast, you're in a you're in a good place if you uh, keep listening to the Endurance Hour and utilize these plans for your season. It's a great deal. And then every once in a while we we have these big discount offers. Oh, before we wrap this up our newsletter. What's in the newsletter and uh, why should they sign up, Wendy? So every Thursday or Friday, I send out the newsletter. We have, usually we have a featured swim analysis. We have maybe a featured article. We, um, we put our podcast in our newsletter and then we have a bunch of discount codes to various partners that we're connected to. And you can receive those discount codes with every newsletter. So just sign up for the newsletter at endurancehour.com and you will receive your first newsletter either on Thursday or Friday. And also on the website, you'll see a spot where you can um, sign up and get a free swim and or run analysis. And we've got hundreds of these on our YouTube channel. So if you need to see examples, just type in swim faster or run faster or endurance hour. We have almost like 2,000 videos. You can't miss it. Um, it's pretty easy to find. And uh, I've actually posted some recent ones into it. Uh, with sw swim sh uh, core shorts versus no core shorts and some swim analysis videos. Uh, a lot of good stuff there, in my opinion. Also on Endurance Hour, um, if you're interested in joining our next accountability, 3030 accountability, that will start on February 1st, and you can sign up anytime. So every, the first of every month is when we, we start the new month's 3030 accountability club. Yes, and let me just give you the, the kind of the lowdown on what that is. This is something we started in November as a way to support athletes who are, you don't necessarily be an athlete, but you could just be, you know, a weekend warrior looking to get back into shape or maybe need some motivation and support and guidance in your pursuit of a healthy lifestyle, fitness. So what we do is we send out new 30-minute workouts every day via text message to your phone, so it's very convenient. It's basically six days on, one day off. That one day off is a recovery day. So we give you a personalized video uh, about what the workout's gonna be, followed by a text version. 
And then you do the workout, text us back, maybe photo proof of the watch, some sweaty selfie, equipment display, whatever, and that's it. But we're there to hopefully support you on a daily basis and boost your, your fitness goals and habits and lifestyle. And you can choose between strength and conditioning. There's actually two different plans for that one. And then uh, cardio plans, which my wife is on for the second month in a row. You can do a bike run combo or you can go solo. You can go run only, which I one of my guys is doing run only right now, bike only and swim only. And it's really based on your rate of perceived exertion. So it's all about you. Sign up now and you'll be in the queue for the following month. And if you, you, you miss February's deadline, you want to sign up for February 3rd, do so. And we'll put you in for the next month. And uh, you'll start getting uh, updates from us to your phone. And if you are out of the country, we can use WhatsApp as well. Final note, Wendy, about... Uh, we have a uh, special guest interview coming up. You don't have to say who it is necessarily, but we have a guest interview coming up next episode. Yeah, so I interviewed, a, um, his name's Bradley. He's training for Cozumel Ironman 2020. So he is he purchased one of our training plans on Training Peaks. I believe it was the Couch to Ironman program. So he contacted me about getting that free phone Skype consultation. And it was about 50 minutes long. So we asked a lot of questions. It's always fun for me to talk to athletes. I like to get to know who's purchasing our plans, um, what they know, what they don't know, and, and make sure they get the support they need on their journey, whether it's a sprint distance, an Ironman, 5K, 10K, marathon. You know, that's what we're here to support you on your journey. So that'll be on the next episode of the podcast. This has been episode 328. Thank you so much if you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener. Either way, glad to have you on board. And uh, many more episodes to come starting again next week. So for Wendy Mater, I'm Dave Erickson. Have a great week of training, racing, or recovery. Hope you can join us again next time. Adios. Don't let me hear you say lights taking you nowhere. Life's begun, nights are warm and the days are young There's my favorite lost but so And you looked in time Never the fuck will tall act fine